Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and listening to another episode. Uh, I appreciate all of you return listeners. Uh, shout out to Trackstars, man. Trackstars is incredible for supporting the show. Uh, all the way from day one, pretty much. They've always reached out and, uh, and and tried to help in any way they can. And so I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for you for checking it out. Uh, this week, we have an interview with uh, Mr. C.W. Allen. Uh, if you are following the CHH Leaks podcast from Trackstars, I did an independent artist spotlight with him. And from that, uh, he was speaking a lot about the the business aspect of being an artist. And, so, and he was sharing a lot of great information I thought would be perfect for this show. And because I'm always the type, even though I'm not a recording artist and I don't ever plan on being a full-time artist, I love understanding the logistics of, you know, or, or the business in general of being an artist or anything. And so we dive into a lot of new information that hasn't been shared on the show before. So make sure you tune in through the whole entire thing. Go ahead and grab a note uh, or a notepad, your, your phone notes, whatever it is you take notes with and get it ready because there's a lot of stuff that's shared in this interview that is uh, very great for especially artists and uh, anybody who's interested in the uh, independent music scene and how to make a living off of it. And so before we jump into that, though, I do want to thank the patrons for the show, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at truestrengthapparel.com. Make sure you head over to truestrengthapparel.com. Get you some new gear. Uh, Aaron's got a lot of great gear over there. He has been uh, revamping his line. Uh, a lot of great looking stuff. Some hoodies for the wintertime and everything. So go check it out at truestrengthapparel.com. Mr. Uh, LT Smith, I appreciate you, sir. Uh, you've been with me for a while now. Aaron's been with me almost since day one. Uh, I think LT's been with me a little longer than a year, if not longer than that. And so, well, uh, I do appreciate you. And Mr. Jay Sannon, uh, thank you so much for being a patron of the show. LT Smith and Jay Sannon are both artists, and their music is uh, provided in the description of the show. So if you want to go check them out, support them, go buy their singles, make sure you go do that to show your support for the supporters of this show. If you want to be a supporter, head over to businesswithborder.com and you can sign up over there. Um, you know, as always, a dollar a month, three dollars, five dollars. And uh, there's also a ten dollar, uh, ten dollar Patreon package. And, and that'll be an actual uh, a monthly 30 minute uh, chit chat talk to help you get some ideas and stuff for your business and, uh, and anything I can do to help with that. So anyway, so that's it for the formalities. Let's jump into the interview here with Mr. C.W. Allen. All righty, welcome back to another interview here on the Business with the Bordeaux podcast. I have with me a special guest. Uh, if you are a follower of Trackstars, you already know this individual. I did an independent artist spotlight with him where we talked about his music career and his music. And I wanted to dive in a little bit more into the business aspect because he was sharing some things I hadn't heard of before. And uh, so I really thought it'd be interesting to dive into that uh, a little more in detail in a business interview. I have with me Mr. C.W. Allen. How's it going, man? What's happening, Jason? Doing great, man. Doing great. I uh, appreciate you being on uh, another interview. My pleasure, man. Yeah, man. So there was a lot of things that you had mentioned last time. And, um, and if you want to kind of get uh, Mr. C.W. Allen's uh, kind of musical background you can check out the independent artist spotlight i encourage you to go do that uh it's over on the track star chh leaks podcast and um but yeah man so uh there was a lot of interesting things that you had talked about uh 
to to kind of help artists in their journey at being full time and i definitely wanted to try to hit on some of those things but uh but what we can do though is i'm trying to find a good starting point uh just in case somebody hadn't heard the independent artist spotlight so yeah. um so I guess what we can do is, you know, kind of, you know, let, let's do go back to your uh, your first journey into music, and and what kind of made you want to do it as a, a paid profession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I started officially doing music. I was nineteen, so late in my senior year of high school, um, just really freestyling with some friends, and eventually it became something where I was like, man, I really love writing music and. People around me were just encouraging me, kept getting invited to go, you know, rap at local churches and um, youth events. And then next thing I knew, I was, you know, I always had this thing like I'm not going to take it serious and really, really go go hard with it and spend money unless I know it's something that's going to bring me money back. That was kind of <laughs> that was my mindset. But then also, ultimately, like I wanted God, um, you know, to be pleased with it. I wanted people to be I wanted people to meet him. And uh, that was my those are my two, you know, ultimate goals. The money, I guess, part came later as I really saw people would actually buy my five dollar CD, you know. And um, yeah, so that's how I started with music and um, I guess the professional end of it. And as I fell in love with, I think, around 20, 21, 22, I um, I was working full time in the steel mills in Cleveland and, uh, you know, doing youth ministry on the side. And I just felt like God was just tugging me to go to Bible college. So I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And um, when I got there, I changed my major three, four times. So <laughs> first got there, I was a, um, a um, music, a music, Bible music major. So I was double majoring in Bible and music. And I didn't want to learn classical music like that. It just wasn't my, my passion. And so I changed it to um, pastoral <laughs> and then um, I saw that I didn't want to do a year, two years of Greek. So I, I said, um, I'll, I'll take a semester and maybe change my major. And so I, <laughs> <laughs> so I opted to do Spanish and just use my Strong's concordance. But um, I uh, ended up changing it to communications. And it was it was the perfect merger. I got to be the communicator God had created me to be, the artist, creative, but then I was still learning my Bible, and uh, I naturally had entrepreneurial um, aspirations as well. So I guess that's kind of where it really was like, yeah, don't be afraid to step into this, even gotcha. though I was for years. <laughs> gotcha. So you were you were doing steel mill work a while in college? No, I wasn't. So um, I got laid off. I worked there two years and it was an amazing job. I mean, especially for my age and the pay, uh, right. but got laid off. And that was kind of confirmation to me that it was OK to, you know, leave Chicago and go to Chicago. If I hadn't got laid off, I probably would have stayed. I mean, I was, you know, making four thirty five hundred dollars every week, full benefits, <laughs> health, dental, and I was a kid who was eating fast food every day for lunch. I, <laughs> vegan, not paying rent, right? That's <laughs> so a dream, man. It? It, it was great, you know, for me. And um, if I had had that continue, I probably would have never went to school. I probably would have stayed in my head and been like, yo, let's, you know, let's just stack this bread or whatever. But uh, God, I, I'm thankful that he did that. And uh, I got laid off the steel mills. It kind of closed for a moment. And they off a lot of people. 
And two months later, I was heading to Moody in Chicago. Gotcha. So, so what was your initial reaction when you got laid off? Was it, uh, were you kind of upset, angry? Were you okay with it? Looking forward to the next thing? What was your mental state? Uh, I was more so feeling sad for the workers who had been there for years, right? Like the mechanics and different people. I was, I was a guy who would deliver parts and do all odd jobs, you know, throw the papers in the fire at the steel mill that they wanted to get rid of or cut the grass and, and deliver things. So for me, I, you know, two years in, I was a young guy um, and they were, it was some people who had 15, 20 years of the job who got let go, you know, or laid off. And um, I just felt bad for them because they had families and I knew I still could stay with my mom. I was young and still figuring things out. So I wasn't really mad and I saw it coming, you know, they do it by seniority. So it, it you know, people were having murmurs about things slowing down. And it just got to the place at the end of the year where they were like, yeah, we're officially have to let people go. And I saw a few people get denied and I knew mine was on the way. So when I got in the office, I was just thankful that they gave me the opportunity. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So were, were there any other things in that job that you were able to kind of transfer over into your music career? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, well, my driving got a lot better. <laughs> a lot of driving. So uh, I guess traveling, traveling on the road, a practical one. Um, I, you know, I just think that I, you know, I got to meet and shake hands with millionaires, and it wasn't something that I ever was accustomed to. I had never met someone who owned big organizations like that before, and uh, not nonprofit, but for-profit business. And you know, they were they were cool as ever. One guy, he, you know. He gives me his new Camaro and he says, can you drive this across the city to my other garage? Just the trust that they had because <laughs> they, they didn't have as much worries with money and some of the um, ways that they would be they were able to be laid back and, and, and trusting was just really, um, really great. And then also just the idea of, of giving your workers a second chance, give them another opportunity. I messed up a lot in my in my job there. Like one time, I, you know, every morning you're supposed to check the oil and the transmission fluid. And one day, you know, I didn't. And I didn't realize it. And my car, my truck overheated. And so they needed to get a new transmission. You know, like stuff like that's like $1,500, $2,000 in a pickup truck that you got to pay. But they didn't right. fire me. Another time I went the wrong way on the expressway. Silly stories, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was and, just thinking because a lot of times, you know, I think people are, are in a, you know, their, you know, quote unquote secular job. And, and, and I always try to figure out what is something I can pull from this experience to yeah. take me into my next experience. And, um, and, and I'll be honest, man, I, I think one of those things you mentioned, you know, being around uh, those who were, you know, quote, successful, um, you know, w w when you're around successful people, you tend to see the way they navigate life. That's right. Yeah, you do. You do. And, um, and you also see that they value things more than money. Like money is, 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 is cool, but they value being with their family. Like guys are coaching their kids softball teams and they're excited about that. And, um, you know, they don't mind throwing a party for the office because they're like, I want to see people smile and have a good time. So I'm, I'm lucky that I got to be around good people who did business, who were in, of integrity. I, I can't say all of them, if any, but, you know, maybe one or two were believers, but they just were good people and they treated right. people well. And I appreciated that. And it, and it gave me 
you know, um, a comfort rubbing shoulders with people who weren't Christian in the workplace and being okay with it. Like, we're here to accomplish a job. We can still love and respect each other. There wasn't a lot. I mean, there were times I got to share my faith as people asked on the side, but that wasn't the main focus. And um, and it was okay. It was okay. Hold on, wait a minute. You can be a Christian in the workplace and your main focus isn't sharing the gospel every day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <boy. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm completely joking. <laughs> you know, when no. you have a real job, you know that that's just a... Um, that's real life, man. And I think right. uh, even some of the arguments you see in, um, I know it's your other world, the Christian hip hop world. It's just like, these are goofy arguments. They're right, more right. they're more a, a labeling issue, a branding, than it is a theological one or what God calls us to do. So that's a whole other soapbox. Yeah, that is. That is, man. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so you're in you're in Moody Bible College. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you're not working, doing your, your still mill job anymore. And so throughout this whole entire process, are you still doing music? I am. And I work two jobs. So um, I worked at Moody, you know, doing facilities, kind of pretty much janitorial work. And then I got a job. I got offered a job at the ministry. I spent seven years prior to that um, with Sunshine Gospel. And we had a dope partnership with Young Life, the national organization. And so they together put the money and the funds together to hire me and then I raised a portion of my salary and uh I just I started a high school ministry and, and worked at um at that ministry my last couple years well the three actually from my sophomore year through um um college I worked there and then four years afterwards well cool. yeah Young Life is one of those areas uh I hadn't heard about it until I was in uh, I, I was in business school, and one of the other young men in business school, uh, he had a huge part of it as well. Can you just uh, briefly share what that is? Yeah. So Young Life is a um, non-denominational youth ministry, but it's 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 more like a parachurch ministry. So they partner with the local church, and they, they draw kids in from the local high schools. It started with... Um, a gentleman, I, I believe his name was Danny Ryberg. I believe that was his name. They're going to kill me if I don't know this. But uh, <laughs> so he was going to Dallas Theological Seminary and his professor challenged him to go um, to go across the street to the local high school and to reach the kids. And so he did it, you know, the best way he, he learned who they were, figured it out. And uh, that's how Young Life was started. Gotcha. That's pretty cool, man. Yep. Um, I need to reach out to them. Some of these folks I got to reach out to and get them on the show as well. So, um, so what's what, what's kind of your next step uh, toward your professional music career at this point? Yeah, yeah. There are a few things I want to see. So when I started, um, I was tasked with creating a mission statement and a vision statement and vision points. My mission statement is to uh, to create unforgettable hip hop shows and content for people in the urban context. And um, so that's just, you know, urban context doesn't necessarily mean like in the hood, but just the city in general, creating music for them, unforgettable shows and content. So that could be writing, that could be podcasts, all of that stuff. But uh, vision points that I wanted to see is one, I wanted to one create the unforgettable shows. So what does that look like when it comes to aesthetic, you know, uh, all of that, the touring base, all of that. Um, I wanted to. Uh, help other 
other Christian artists grow in their faith, craft, and business. So, you know, some are outstanding with the faith part. Some are um, outstanding with the craft, but most aren't outstanding with the business, right? right and you, right. if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get sued. <laughs> you're going to be Lauren Hill, <laughs> Western. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, how do how do you uh, surround yourself with basic um, business activities that maybe become effortless, so that you can um, focus on what you love to do? That's create music and, and travel. Then the next portion, I wanted to create jobs. In, in my local context. So I'm projecting that'll be, you know, three, four more years out um, outside of, you know, any like small seasonal type things that people do for me, contracted work. So, yeah, I wanted to see those things happen. And um, I am into the first two and hoping to near the third as I go. But those are what I'm trying to do in the near future. Uh, you know, right now my main focus is is home, so I, I have to get to a full time salary. That's what I want to see happen. At least get back to where I was when I left my job uh, a year ago, and um, make sure my wife is happy. <laughs> that's that's important, man. That's important. That's extreme. I, yeah, I, I I think one of the things I just want to mention real quick with anybody uh, in any type of uh, venture, not just music, is. Mm-hmm. Always make sure your wife's on board and always make sure she's happy throughout the process. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing unless my wife saw that it was time. Like she really pushed me over the ledge in a lot of ways. And I knew it was a God thing because that's not her personality. My wife's, you know, she's grown to become more laid back. But, she, you know, she's the baby of the family. So things are taken care of. Both her parents are stable nine to five workers, you know, uh, just dad just retired six years ago. Mom is about to retire. They're doing well. Her sister's a nurse. So for her, the motto of an artist is just like, that's crazy. And that's not comfortable or stable. But for her to say, hey, let's do this. Let's figure it out. I see, you know, this in you. It was just like, whoa, that if you don't have your partner behind you, you're going to, you're going to struggle. I was in, um, Dallas on a tour <clears throat> and when I was there we were at the studio and it was a a really dope setup like the lady who ran the cir- the area she was, was like a trapeze artist in the circus and so apart from being super cut up she was an amazing businesswoman and um and I looked around and I said how do you you know you must have a really supportive husband to make all this happen. And I'm always the guy to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, <laughs> unfortunately, when it comes to relationships. And she was like, what makes you say that? And I'm like, well, I know you have to have someone who's really supports you to pull all of this off and to be away from home, you know, because she was renting the building out all the time and it was beautiful. And she goes, well, actually, we're about to get divorced. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, shoot, <laughs> I did it again. No. And she goes, it's okay. We just grew apart, you know. And she said the business part was a big part of it. You know, he didn't support what I'm doing here. And um, we just had no cross intersection. And I was just like, dang, that's that's heavy. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to, you know, kind of be happy in a relationship when you don't understand each other's purpose and agree with each other's purpose. Right. And uh, so that's, yeah, that, that, that's always difficult. So, um so when it comes to kind of the, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the the business portion that a lot of artists don't seem to understand or really focus on. Can you mention some of those important areas that artists or anybody 
kind of really needs to make sure they understand before they, you know, dive into it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I live, I'm, I currently live by the 80-20 rule. And um, my 80-20 rule is not the missionary one, but it is the idea that 80% of what you do, some people probably would say 90, 80% of what you do is business and the foundation and 20% is getting to have fun doing, you know, what you actually are gifted in doing, making music and, and, and performing. So for me, uh, every week I start my week off, usually Sunday, early Monday, uh, looking at everything that I have to do. I make a big old list on my whiteboard and throughout the week I'm crossing off activities. Um, there are things that take two minutes and there are things that take 20 hours and the things that are quick I try to get those out the way first so I read this book where he he talked about um, if you have something that you can do within two minutes or less do it right away so don't don't delay it so if it's an email to answer and it pops up and you can answer it right then do it versus I'll get to it later because then you 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 know you stall delay you might not get to it so knowing those things that are within grasp and knocking those out, it's kind of like credit. Um, you know, I was talking with my wife, you could look at your, you know, your debt and you could say, I got a credit card here and a car payment here. The car payment is significantly less, the credit card a little bit more, but the interest rate is high and you have to decide which one will you aggressively tackle. You know, you could, you could meet the minimum payment for both, but the interest is still rising on the interest is still hitting you on both. One of them has a, a variable rate, right? Where the interest changes. It's it could be 24 one month, it can be 18 the next, depending on the market. And that's typically your credit card, where your car is usually a fixed, you know, mine is like four percent. It's a fixed rate. So for us, it makes sense to be more aggressive with the credit card because we're gonna get hit with higher interest rates versus being super aggressive with the car but you know maintaining the payment and i think the same way about my music and in my business like i i have to tackle the things that seem more pressing the things that uh will make money the things that um if i don't do them i'm gonna miss an opportunity that someone else might get because i slacked on it and um knowing that i have to create deadlines for myself that others others just won't give me and that's that's just the reality where i'm at so i, I get my list i plow through it throughout the week and um, I know in between there's going to be meetings, all of that stuff. Try to give myself margin time, make sure I'm eating lunch. I forget a lot of times and all of that stuff. I actually heard, I think it was GS I interviewed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was GS. He was actually saying how uh, he would actually forget to eat lunch sometimes too. Yeah. And, and it was actually several people who I had, yeah, come to think of it, I think a few people has told me even, you know, off air, <laughs> they forgot to eat lunch. Yeah. And uh, and so is that just because you're so caught up and so busy and, and you're trying to get things done? Or, I mean, what, what do you think the cause of that was? Just a, Yeah, just a lot of work. Just just grinding. You know, I, I'm by nature, I'm a person who when I started, I want to get it done there. Like, I don't want to stop. And I, part of that's probably because I, I was a, you know, a freehand artist for years. And um, when I started the picture, you don't stop the picture till it's finished. So um, the idea of of stopping and starting back is an, actually a new concept for me. And I, I've had to do it with music. I've had to do it with work just to say, nope, got to cut it off. My wife's here. I need to give her some time. I know she's stressed out from um, from her job and 
I need to be there to just even if it's watching a TV show with her. So just learning how to um, stop and actually make it happen. And the same with lunch, you know, get up, go like yesterday. I had to take a, a second and say, hey, let me get this uh, stove started and cook this salmon and broccoli. because I need to, <laughs> I need to make it happen or I'm going to be eating out every day or not eating at all. Right. That sounds like a bodybuilder meal. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it right, Jason. Okay. 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 <laughs> That's what it sounded like. And trust me, I, I looked into it. I know. I know, man. So, um, so I, I, I did forget to ask, and I, t- I gotta say, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about to, uh, to have the similar conversation twice because I can't remember what we talked about last time and this time. Um, it's actually very interesting doing this. So, but, uh, but, but one question: How long? Uh, how long have you been? doing this full time and uh how did you know uh, I, I know you said your wife told you to go for it yeah. uh how, how did you really know it was okay to go ahead and go for it yeah so it's it'll be two years in this coming may so about a year and a half now and um i was you know i had a good job a, a great job i was doing youth ministry full time you know, um, I had all of all of the kids that I had met when I got to Chicago at 22. They were all in college and uh, I had a fresh crop of freshmen come in. And uh, I was in a place where I was realizing, man, I, I just don't want to be on the ground and do this anymore. And there was no it didn't seem like there was room for mobility to uh, move up, you know, as more of a, a leader of leaders versus a leader of kids or whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I, I knew I knew my time was up. I just knew it. And I, I, that summer, I told my wife, I said, a year from now, I think I'm going to be doing music full time. I don't know how it's going to look, but I feel like that's going to be what's going to be happening. And, and, you know, and she didn't think much of it. She said, OK, you know, she's so used to me just dreaming that she just kind of was like, OK, <laughs> whatever <laughs> we'll see right right you know, type of thing uh i'm gonna I, I wake my wife up in the middle of the night like what would it look like if we bought a movie theater you know in the hood and <laughs> and she's like oh my gosh you stress me out <laughs> <laughs> well you gonna get money for that but um there's a few things that kind of pointed me to it was definitely um something that could could work one um i, I learned what calling really was and the idea of calling. So when you look throughout the New Testament, many times, um, kalesis is the word that's used and for calling, and it actually means to be invited. So it's like God invites you into a calling. He invites you into knowing him. So the first C of calling that I like to share with people is a capital C, which is your call to know God. Um, everything else falls in line with that. After you, after you know God, um, you're called to uh, know yourself. You have to know what are your bents, what what things irritate you. You know, Truth once said, um, "What are the things that? Uh, oh man, the line is slipping my mind. It, it was in um, a song on. Uh, it was Every Day with uh, Tia Pittman on one of his albums. He said, um, "What do you, what do you, what do you like to do? What are some of your strengths?" And then he began to say that. Um, what irritates you because that's probably a problem that you and I are here to solve, you know, and um, knowing what irritates you, knowing what problems you see, problems lead to business ideas. That's how businesses are started. And so knowing myself, knowing my sovereign history, you know, where am I from? How does that affect my personality and character? Um, what is my how does my family makeup affect that? 
um, what are my gifts? What are my natural gifts? I'm an artist. I'm a communicator. Uh, what are my spiritual gifts? I'm a shepherd. I love people. I, you know, what are my love languages? Words is huge for me. Uh, you can make or break me with words. So I have to guard my heart when it comes to listening to what people say. So, you know, knowing who you are and the history that makes you up is really huge in your calling. But then after you know that, you you know what you're called to. So based off your gifts, talents, what you do, don't do well, you can kind of gauge some things that you're passionate about and know what God is calling you to do with your life. And college change with seasons. And so I'm I'm very well aware that I'm doing music full time now, but I very well could be a manager tomorrow or a business owner, just strictly a business owner or pastor. And and that's okay with me. Um but God opens and closes the doors like he did on my youth ministry. So I, as I examined myself, as I knew God, as I saw that this passion for music and business wasn't dwindling away, it was just getting stronger. It was clear to me that I was called to. And the last portion of calling is this call of being affirmed by your community. So people who were close to me would affirm like, bro, you, you dope. Or, you know, uh, we see this and people would call and ask me to do shows um, and, you know, so it, it just picked up. There were times I had to miss touring opportunities because I had youth ministry throughout the summer. And um, for me, it was like, OK, I see those four areas checked. And then my wife was the final portion in that that call of a uh, community. And when she had a comfort with it and was, was like I, I had a plan and she and she was like, yeah, yeah, let's let's make it happen. She trusted my leadership and was like, let's get it. That's awesome, man. Um, were you looking for your wife's affirmation, or was that just something that happened? Uh, you know, probably in my immaturity, no. I mean, I before we got married, she knew that my desire was to be an artist. Uh, all through Moody, it was my it was my desire. You know, there's no degree for being a, a hip hop artist, right. in <laughs> right, <laughs> or right. anywhere probably, but. You know, she's always seen that in me. She's been a part of it. She's seen it touch people. She's seen it touch me. And um, I think that she kind of knew that that was what came with the with the package. You know, when we got married, I told her, I said, I may never be able to buy you a humongous house or um, upgrade your wedding ring every few years. But I can tell you, you'll have a life of adventure and um, and we're going to love God. And she was like, OK, well. I'm, I'm, I'll be your wife. And so knowing that I kind of already had a good gauge that I wouldn't have to fight her on it. You know, my wife is a very sensitive woman. She has a great spirit and, um, and she trusts me. We, we were kids when we got married, you know, um, well, when we met my wife, you know, came into college, she was 18, I was 22 and, uh, we got married two years after dating. So we got to know each other for a while and uh, I'm 25. She's 21. So all of my wife's significant growth is with me. I'm, I'm, I've watched her grow up literally out of high school. So she watched me grow up these last 10 years, you know, being in a relationship. So for me, it, 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 there's already a trust there. One thing, this may be a little off of the business spectrum with the marriage, marriage piece, but uh, me and my wife, there was, you know, and this is not everybody's story. So if it's not yours, it's not to condemn you. But um, so me and my wife didn't kiss our first year of dating. And then um, when we did kiss the second year or whatever. Uh, there still was no, you know, 
no touching the areas we shouldn't. There was I didn't see anything that she had until the honeymoon. And I think that <laughs> right, I think that breeded a certain trust. And my wife says it to this day. There's a certain trust that I'm gonna put her before me. Cause I was thirsty, but I, I wanted to honor God and I wanted to honor her. And I think because she's seen that in my track record with it, that she knows in what I'm doing with my business and my work that I'm not going to jeopardize the family. Like she knows I'll work in McDonald's if I have to, but I'm going to try my hardest not to, you know, right. so it breeded the trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, trusting, uh, having that trust in a relationship is, is, is one of the first things. And, and that grows over time too. It's crucial. Um, Don't hire your wife out here eating noodles and, uh, <laughs> because you feel called and, <laughs> and the records ain't selling. Music does not make money. Music does not sell. It's other things around music that sells. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and just kind of talking about that, um, I heard uh, I was listening to some teachings from some of the the vets in CHH, and one thing that Jason said, he said nobody actually pays you to preach the gospel. Right. They pay you to entertain. That's right. That's so, right. can you just kind of talk about that portion a little bit? Because I think a lot of times, you know people think about well my music is 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 you know it's just sharing the gospel but you know there's there's anybody can share the gospel you can hear the gospel anywhere people don't pay you just to share the gospel yeah. um talk about the uh you know the, the the kind of important dynamics of being an artist in in doing that and, and you know how it's how it might be different from just you know talking or, or speaking yeah, uh, there isn't. There probably isn't as much respect for it a lot of times. So, um, you know, uh, when you when you're dealing with you got churches, you have venues. Venues typically know what you're bringing, what the deal is. As long as you got your ducks in a row and your papers in order, they're gonna respect you, and um, you can agree upon a price, ticket sales, all of that stuff. But then there's the uh, and we could talk about hard and soft tickets uh, as the podcast progress if you want. But then there's, you know, church venues. Typically, they don't understand the process. And not just that, there isn't really a high level of respect for artists. So I had a situation here locally where a past pastor seen me rapid outreach <clears throat> afterwards. He said, man, I didn't know you were around here. This is great. I would love to have you at our back to school drive that we're doing next week. Now I've made it a policy. If you're local, I will not tax you. I will not like, like I'm even willing to come for free if you'll cover my gas money. Like this is, you know, give me $20 to get across the city and back or whatever. And, um, you know, so I, I because I feel like that's my gift to local ministries and uh, events and things like that. And and so he hit me up and he said, um, he's like, okay, yeah, brother Allen, I would love to have you out. Uh, how much do you charge? And I said, well, in the city, you know, you can give me a hundred bucks. I'll drive over, do a set, you know, all of that stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, that's gas money and that's not even minimum wage, you know, like if I do an hour set. And so uh, he said, okay, well, let me get back to my my committee. And then I'll, you know, I'll let you know what they say. Now I'm thinking this is the head pastor of the church, <laughs> and, you know, running this outreach. And, and, and in a black church, that ain't, you, pastor don't take cues from people about 
bringing an artist to an outreach. Like, that's just not typical. So um, I knew he was kind of, the money was issue. And I said, don't let money be an issue. Like, I'm willing to still come, you know. And he expressed, I want the young black guys to see you in the community and this and that. And um, I hit him back and he said, hey, brother, they told me that, you know, it's a no-go. We we just don't have the money. And, um, you know, we, we just... We would love to have you at our our youth something later down the line, but we just we just can't afford to do it. And I said, all right, well, thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate you, and um, you know, I hope all goes well, and and I'll I'll keep you all in prayer. And 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 the reason I didn't bug back and say, well, you know what, I'll just come for free. One, because I think he tried to bait me to get me to say I'll just come for free. But then two. Um, I realized that the gospel is going to be preached whether I'm there or not, period. And God's word is, and his spirit goes far beyond me rapping on the mic. Like, I'm no one savior. I'm not the key to people meeting Jesus. So if I come or if I don't, if it's a built-in event already, it, it it doesn't make or break you. And, and so knowing that, and then my wife saying, Hey, um, we could be spending time together, you know, today, this is my one day off. It was just like, it was a no brainer to me. Like if he had to say, yeah, we could do 50, 60 bucks. I would have came no problem, but he didn't. And, and that's where I know that there's a difference between entertainment and the gospel in a sense of, yes, I'm, I'm going to share the gospel as much as I'm allowed in the venue. Like I want to be wise of that too. But, um, you know, he wanted a entertainer. He wanted me to come and do a few songs. And uh, he was the pastor. He was going to share the gospel. He probably had people doing that in between, you know, it's a predominantly black church. And so, um, you know, well, it, it, there's a cost to this. I have to practice. I have to load my car up. I have to pay, you know, I have gas. I have time away from my wife if she doesn't come. And, um, you know, I, I weigh those costs. Yeah, I think. Oh, sorry, sorry. You good? I was just gonna say, I think one of those things, and it's something I heard Bizzle say. He was talking about, you know, people don't appreciate the the time you're taking away from your family in doing anything, you know, whether it's recording music, writing music, performing, traveling, you know, all of that stuff takes a toll on the family. And so, when people complain about the price of anything, they don't, they never take that into effect. Unless it's so, takes, right. Unless it's a, a well known because there and there's a certain respect that's given to a speaker or prolific speaker or pastor, right? Um it, you know, if I, I, I do speak a lot. If I branded myself that way versus hip hop artists first, I probably would get even more opportunities if I said I'm not gonna rap, I'm just gonna speak. But there are places like down the street from me, there's a big church. Excuse me. And um you know, they 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 paid like 40 G's for Yolanda Adams to come and do like three, four, four songs, like wow. three, four songs. Right. And then my friend's wife, <clears throat> they didn't want to give her anything. No, it's Mary Mary, actually. And they didn't want to give her anything. And because right. uh, she's local and her husband booked back on that. And, they, you know, they gave her a little something like 200 bucks or something like that. And she's a classically trained opera artist who teaches at a college who teaches music theory and, and singing at a college and it's like what <laughs> like, like she's not worth the the money just because she lives near here are you serious like you just paid 
such and such 40 G's. You kidding me? And so people will take advantage of you and people will pay for what they want to pay for. And so if you don't respect me and what I do, it's just not fair. And that, and I think that's the thing that bothers me the most is um, not that you have to meet my price because that's negotiable. Not that I'm trying to make millions of dollars, but just do you respect me and care about me as a person and an artist the right. way that you would your favorite artist or whoever? Do you care about, you know, if, if it's a youth event, right, uh, which isn't typically my niche, but if it's a youth event, do you care about your youth enough not to just throw the fender kit out there and bring a, a rapper out and say, you know, go kill it when they're when you know they're watching people bring out big stage. Um, you know, you you watch Lady Gaga or somebody on TV. They got for one song they got the full setup, and you just brought out a fender kit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or won't spend fifteen dollars to go see Lecrae. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah, I think, you know, whenever it comes to the, the booking and the pricing and all that stuff, you know, I, I think in a sense churches, you know, churches still do kind of sort of operate with the business mindset. Who's going to put more butts in the seats? That's true. That's true. Uh, who's going to bring more people in the door? Sure. And especially, you know, and, and I guess, you know, you know, I guess outreach is probably a little bit different from huge concerts. And, um, yeah, but, you know, I've definitely seen where, <laughs> Uh, I, I've heard of some crazy prices for bigger name artists. Yeah, and um, and, and it's not that they have better music; it's just they have more reach. No pun intended. Um, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so you know, it's it, and that's just the way it is. But yeah, you know, it, it, and I think that's one thing that the church is still working on to this day. Yeah, is uh, is that and you know, me personally you know I, I think it's fine to pay somebody what they're worth what their value is uh, especially you know if they have companies and organizations they're paying for that's but right I, yeah they got but, and everything right 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 but I, I still think that you know if you value somebody at a hundred grand and then you don't want to pay somebody a hundred dollars like I think you know there, there, there is a little bit of a situation there that's, that's kind of a <laughs> right, right. that's an imbalance that's an imbalance yeah well and we have to be wise too <clears throat> and know our market worth you like our market value a lot of people don't know their market value but as as i'm planning out my next year i'm trying to venture out into some cities that i see are on my playlist you know and my stream counts that i haven't been to but i see people are consistently listening to music there so i'm trying right. to do a show but i have to ask myself are these numbers justifiable for doing a show? Like, can I can I realistically do a show? And then what does it look like with doing the show? So we as artists got to be honest with ourselves and the promoters and churches as we try to pitch a show. You know, if you want to really build up your buzz and and really get these encouraging messages out to people, then you got to really count the cost and, and, and do the research of who you are and who your fans are. Because if you don't, somebody's going to be disappointed. It's going to be you, it's going to be the promoter, or it's going to be both. And, um, you know, knowing your market value changes everything with how you book and how you set stuff up. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to dive into the, the booking of shows. How do you find promoters? 
Uh, promoters typically, so there are some companies that are, um, you know, smaller companies that will reach out to you or that anybody can sign up for. They're usually like showcase promoters. <clears throat> so that's where you got like your Afton shows. And uh, Afton is a pretty big one. Here there's one called Funhouse. It's a couple college guys who started it. They're really cool. And um, what you do is you, you connect with them. You meet each other and um, you see what's realistic for you to do a show. Uh, are you an opener? Are you a headliner? How many people can you draw? And then based on that, they'll work with you. But some of the bigger promoters uh, typically like directly at a club or you can go directly to a club or venue in your community or whatever and talk to meet them and talk to them directly. And once you do that, you've established a relationship, then you can move forward to uh, doing a show. Then there's also tour promoters or like, you know, kind of, they kind of function as tour promoters slash managers, tour managers, and they put together full uh, productions like the Poets in Autumn or the Reach Records Tour, whatever the case may be. And so there's different levels to promotion and different and promoters who do different um, different ways of, of lining up shows. Some are just one off shows, just like one night at the spot downtown, the little the little uh, bar downtown. Some others are are full touring, so you have to be in a certain place as an artist before you get certain calls, and uh, it might mean paying on to things and all all kinds of different little avenues that happen. Does that uh, make sense? Does that kind of hit where you yeah. want to go? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so and how do you uh, how do you find your market value? Because we were talking earlier about yeah. knowing your market value, figuring that out. How do you really kind of gauge that? Yeah, there's there's a, a, a number of things, but uh, some of the few tangible ones are looking at social media as well as um, like Spotify and Apple Music. You can sign in as an artist. So if you haven't done that, you can Google and um, Spotify artists. I think it's like artist.spotify.com and then um, Apple Music. Just Google how to sign in your artist account and go through the verification process. But you can see after you claim your accounts, you can see who's listening and where they're listening at. So then you can kind of identify super fans and who's uh, what area is really buzzing with your music. And um, then after you've identified that through those streaming platforms, but then also social media. And YouTube, you can look at the analytics and see who's constantly liking your post, who's actually taking the next step and commenting, who's actually taking the next next step and going to the link to buy the music and, you know, who bought directly from your website, who's sending you personal messages, where do they live at? So just really um, paying attention to those who are who are rocking with you and taking note of it to know what are your top cities or countries, and then actually taking that information to a promoter saying, hey, I realize that X amount of people are consistently listening to my music in this community. I would love to do a show here. I think we could do a 50-50 split. Or some may say, I want I have a bar minimum of $500, which means um, if you do a show there, they won't charge you to use the venue. You can sell the tickets for however much you want to sell them for. Um, there might or might not be a split for it, but what there is non-negotiable about is the bar. So they may say it's a $500 bar minimum, which means 
if you're going to do a show here, you have to at least sell $500 worth of drinks at the bar of food. And if you don't meet that, then you just pay the whatever the remaining balance is out of pocket at the end of the night. And so um, <clears throat> knowing your market value, if you don't know it, it will hurt you if you try to just jump into a city, if you underestimate it. Because if you underestimate it, you, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to lose money, literally. Gotcha, gotcha. Have you been able to jump on any like uh, tour stops near your area? Uh, not a lot near near my area here. Um, I did recently do. So what about two months ago? I did a tour with uh, Chopay and uh, Sean C. Johnson, Latoria down in, in Dallas and, and DJ War. And it was really cool. So me, Sean and Chopay, we did four cities together and um, and we did uh, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio and uh, Houston. I had never been to any of those. I have some friends sprinkled out in them who came out to shows or bought tickets, but I've never been there before. So for me, <clears throat> I was just the opening artist and I also paid to be on the tour. And that wasn't, that's not outlandish to do that because you have to, you have to weigh the cost. Oh, I've never been here before. It's built in and it's hard ticket, which means people are paying to see it. So you develop a certain worth or value in that market. And so for me, it made sense. So I went on tour with those guys. They were great. We had we had a lot of laughs, a good time. So that tour was one. I did a tour through Poland as well, and um, that was really fun. Uh, we did 12 shows in eight days. Amazing. I can't wait to get out the country again. There's such a high respect for music outside of America in ways that uh, is just not here. It, there is respect for it. There's fun, you know, when you do shows here, but it's just it's a whole nother level outside the States. And um the, the the culture and the pace is a little slower. So people still buy CDs. People are still very much like, I want to know the artist and, and all of that stuff. So those were a couple that I did recently. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, where would you say the, the biggest amount of revenue comes from uh, for an artist like yourself? Live shows and events, definitely. So merch sales, ticket sales? I look at my salary as um, so when I did the Sunshine Young Life Partnership, my salary was split up into three parts. There was me who raised support, Sunshine who um, gave a portion of my salary and then the resources necessary to fulfill my job, and then Young Life who gave a portion of salary and training. So I, I look at I brought that model to my uh, my music work, and so I, I have a organization that. I'm technically on paper as a missionary through Artists and Christian Testimony International. So I raise support through them. Then I have my live shows and merchandise. And then, um, I'm sorry, my live shows and then merchandise is my third one, is my third um, peg in the, in the, um, in the three peg chair. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, the show's portion, so right the, the most stable is the monthly support through ACT, through the Artists of Christian Testimony. Those, that check is going to always come. You know, sometimes you get partners, monthly partners who have to drop off of different reasons, others who come on that you don't expect, and you're just like, whoa, you're supporting. That's fantastic. And um, that's a stable thing. So that is every... Every month, there's two checks. The 5th and the 20th, I know I'm getting paid, so I do a standard payroll, all of that, just like an executive director would do. The shows, um, 
that's probably the most uh, that can be the most lucrative, but it's not as consistent as the ACT because that is more of. You know, it's depending on what the season is, it can be a dry season and it can be a very fruitful season when it comes to shows and merchandise is directly connected to shows. So the more show because I don't have a huge record label behind me, any record label behind me or a crazy promoter that's, you know, grinding for me or manager. I'm seeing and this is my personal story as independent artist that the more shows I do, the more merch I'm going to sell. And that's just that's just a reality. They're closely tied. People are very few people go on my website and just buy a hoodie or whatever. I haven't built that line. Right. Right. Now, a little more detail with the merch, because I'm trying to think of everything an artist would need to know to get started. Um, So aside from reaching out to what was it? You said ACT. ACT. Yep. Artists and testimony. Okay. And what what was the other organization? Uh, It's just ACT. And then my personal shows and the merchandise. Okay, okay yeah. cool. So, um, so as far as merchandise, where do you get your merchandise um, made at? Yeah, I've been using a company called Stickers and More. They're right out of Indiana. They do free shipping and uh, they make great, comfortable clothing. So I've been doing, I've done some hoodies and some t-shirts through them. I, there also was a local company here called King Lizzie. They're not in existence anymore, but they were really using the funds to um, pour into kids in the Humble, Mar- Humble Park community. And so I, I went with them for years until they closed down. So I, I would love to, and I've also used... Um, there's one called Custom Ink, and they do all of the wrestling T-shirts for personal wrestling brands and things like that. You go there, Hulk Hogan is on the wall, and you know DDP and all that stuff is crazy. So um, I, I went with them for a while, but uh, it, it can vary depending on the price. I have to look at the price point, but stickers and more is a pretty consistent one. With with clothing, with um, with disc, I haven't bought as many. Actually, my new EP, I haven't bought any discs, and I don't know if I I will. And um, I, I usually just use like there's Easy Disc, which is really cheap but really good quality. And then um, what's the other one? The CD, not CD Baby. CD Baby has a partner called Disc Makers. Disc Makers is one I traditionally used over the years before I used Easy Disc. Gotcha. So were you just not selling the disc? What What, what was your reasoning behind stopping that? Yeah, I, t- I see. I saw it took a hit. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm still one of those artists who actually does still, you know, make some money off of CDs. But what I realized, I, I had a talk with Esso when I was down in Texas. And he was talking about the reality of embracing streaming and how even though it doesn't make a lot of money up front, it is consistent. And then, um, you know, versus somebody paying seven, ten dollars for a CD and you never seeing revenue again or being able to track metrics or anything. Streaming allows you to track metrics for your market value, all of that stuff. But then it's a continuous flow of money, even though it's a little bit of money. And um, it also there's there's different sites out like there's one called uh, Royalty Exchange. And basically what happens with Royalty Exchange is you get to a certain amount of of streams and things you can um, if you've made more than a thousand dollars a year, they they can appraise your catalog. And what happens is they'll appraise your catalog just like they'll appraise a house or a wedding ring, say how much it's worth. And then they'll offer you X amount of dollars for X amount of years to lease your music. 
Now, that's a great deal for some people. So if they say, hey, we value your catalog at $300,000 and we want to give you $100,000 for the next three years to use your catalog, um, but we get to use the music, we have the rights to it, um, we're going to make the money off of it. After three years, you'll get all of those rights back, but we'll give you the money up front. For some artists, that makes all the sense in the world. Like $300,000 in your pocket, you can do a lot if you invest it and do it well. So it's like, that's a label. But you can't get to that if you're selling CDs and not pointing people to your streams to get them up. Right. So essentially, the company who's leasing your music, they control publishing for two or three years? Correct. Correct. And you get no proceeds except for what they pay you up front? They get the proceeds. Okay. Everything that you would make off of it, they get it in exchange for your royalties during that time period. So it's just it's just a full lease of of your music. And right. the, and the new stuff, I believe they wouldn't be able to touch that. You know, it's still like anything after that deal is all yours. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, man, this is uh definitely some new stuff I'm hearing, so I'm glad glad you're diving into all this. Um what 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 would be some some key uh advice for artists in the business realm. So somebody was wanting to look at doing some, you know, trying to go full time. What would be some of the main things you would tell them to focus on? Save, save your money up. Um, you know, don't spend your money on useless stuff. I I got friends who collect Jordans and, and Kyrie's and things like that. And that's great. I love tennis shoes. And, um, I wish that, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in a household where we had that a lot. We just we just we didn't have the money for it. So it's like you get a black pair of tennis and you get a white pair of tennis and <laughs> you make those work the whole year. And and um, depending on the season, you wore one or the other. And so for me, it's not a big deal if I don't have the newer shoes. I, I just need to be presentable when I go perform or when I have a meeting or whatever the case may be. But um, don't spend your money on uh, things to try to look good if it's uh, if it's above your means. And what I mean by that, the the hundred twenty dollars you just spent on some KDs, you could put that into your savings account to get ready to go full time. So if you have a timeline saying a year from now I want to go full time with music, but you're not stacking bread up to be able to pay rent and to um, still do music then you're going to lose. And I think I underestimated that as well um, because my I didn't get all of the monthly support that I, I wanted to get with ACT. So I had to work extra hard in getting shows and extra, extra hard and finding little side, you know, hustles or whatever the case may be to, um, to supplement my income. Because when you're a full-time artist, you have to think you're not only making music full time, you're taking care of the house still. So you still have to pay all of your bills. And then if you have money left over, you can get a single made and put it out. And if, 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 so it's not the other way around that I'll make the music and then the music will make money to pay the bills. No, because that's not realistic with the way that streaming and, and music goes. People don't put a value on music enough to justify that. And so I would say save your money up. Don't spend it on things that you don't have to spend it on. If you got cable, you can cut that. Netflix is cheaper anyway. Or borrow an account. I probably shouldn't have said that. I guess that's illegal these days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't borrow an account. We're <laughs> not we're account. not going to promote that. <laughs> we're not promoting that. Uh, <laughs> you know. So uh, get it. You can get Hulu or Netflix a lot cheaper. 
they're like eight to ten dollars if you want a family plan like i think 15 or something but get one of those cut cable um like i right now i had to cut my spotify off i had a free trial a free month with apple music i did that that just ended yesterday it's cut off i'm on youtube (laughs) (laughs) even though it's ten dollars that's ten dollars i can be putting towards something in the household or strictly towards something with music and you just have to think frugal like that it's you know k drama taught me a lot about budgeting the dollars he would he we did a we did a seminar here in chicago and he um he came and he shared about what it takes to be a full-time artist and his number one thing is he said i'm just trying to be a full-time artist and first i was confused i'm like you've been a full-time artist for years but what he was saying is that he does a lot of other stuff so that he can be an artist, like he's making beats and um, running a label and, you know, doing other things surrounding his art in order to go perform and to make his own personal music. But he's trying to get to a place where all he does is make his personal music and everything else works itself out. He can make a beat if he wants to, not that he has to. And right. and I fully get that. And so that should be your goal as an artist is where you can actually just be an artist unless you're passionate about some of the other areas. And um, the only way to do that is to have, have a little cushion, but then also, um, you want to know that there's a demand for you as an artist. Do not try to be a full-time artist and people aren't streaming your music or people aren't buying your CDs. You know, And streaming numbers don't tell everything. I know some artists who got amazing streaming numbers, but they barely can get people to shows. Um, but there are artists who have very whack streaming numbers and they have an amazing local following that will buy tickets and have bought their CD. You know, so... Um, know who you are and know your value before you, you jump in and how to support it a fam. You got to. Yeah, man, that's great. That's great, man. Um, who were some of the, the, the key people? I know you mentioned Chopay, uh, you mentioned SOK Drama. Has there been anybody else who's really kind of helped guide you along this way? Yeah, uh, yeah, K Drama was a big one. I have a pastor here. His name is uh, Jonathan Brooks. He's a hip hop artist as well. Uh, well, was for years. He he does it on and off. But um, he really just challenged me to step out the boat. He challenged me to stop being scary. He said one day he looked at me and he said, "What are you scared of?" I said, uh, "He said, why don't you, why aren't you a full time artist yet?" And I said, uh, "Man, I'm just scared. Like I don't I don't know." And he said, "What are you afraid of?" And I stopped and I said. What am I afraid of? Like, <laughs> I got my wife's support. Right. We're financially okay. You know, what am I afraid of? And so at that point, I began to take the steps. I started raising support a year before I went full time as an artist. I started um, uh, planning f- to be a full time artist. And I, I would have loved to plan a little bit heavier, but I, j- I just didn't know. But it was enough to sustain us where we didn't, you know, rack up a, a crazy amount of debt and, you know, stress my wife and have her pulling her hair out or anything like that. So he was a big one. Um, when I was I was at a church plant serving during that time, the two pastors I was serving with, they were super encouraging um, to me as well. And then those who support me monthly, you know, telling someone you're going full time as an artist, it's just it, it, like they're they got one or two reactions. They look at you and they say, but how long until you get a real job? 
<laughs> and then the other ones will say, that is amazing. And I see God, I see God's hand on you and how that could definitely work. And I want to be a part of that. And those who wanted to be a part of it, they are, and they are to this day. And so they have been extremely, extremely encouraging to me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty great, man. I think the, the moral support, uh, it, it, it is a major role because, uh, you know, the enemy attacks your mind above yes. anything else. Yes. He yep. attacks your mind before anything else. And, uh, and I've heard, some of the, the you know the the more well known artists who talk about that from the Lecrae's to the Bizzles to the you know the Derek Miners and, and and all the folks that people are very familiar with they 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 go through the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it might not be the same exact situations, but it's definitely a mental battle of you know can I keep doing this? That's right. For, for one reason or another, and so um. Right, right. Having that, having that moral support, having financial support, obviously, because uh, moral support doesn't pay bills. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in in college, my um, our our head of communications, he was a professor for me a few times, and guy mid mid forties, young, cutting edge guy who took the job, and uh, he was super encouraging to me too because he he was real, he was real honest. He, he allowed me to be a hip-hop artist. He pushed me into it. There was no major for it, but he verbally had me get to the place where I could say, I'm a hip-hop artist, and that's what I'm going to be when I leave here. But um, he was he was great because he allowed me to create projects around it and write papers around it. And um, he also was really real with us, like, listen, you guys are communicators, and you're going into one of the most depressing fields there is communicators are naturally depressed people a lot of times because it's either you pour out so much of yourself that you're drained and you have to you know go back to god to fill that well up or be a, be in the right community and circles weather's a factor for everyone at times but communicators are just depressed people and social media and numbers and and feeling like you don't add up does not help so you have to find um Knowing that is it's half the battle, but then you have to find ways to battle your mind and to say, No, I'm I'm God's child. My worth is not in this. My worth is in knowing and in and being adopted into his family first. Yeah, man. That's uh I've heard from a lot of people, you know, especially like pastors, you know, because I mean, because being a communicator, that that's there's a lot of different uh assignments that that takes place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, whether it's an, a, a musical artist, a, a, an author, a pastor, right. yep. you know, just a speaker, teacher. Uh, I've heard all of those areas say that it can be a very depressing area. And yep. um, so, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, having that support. And, and where do you find, uh, where do you get a lot of your, um, how do you fill your tank back up? Uh, yeah, spending time with God and, uh, like anybody, you definitely, I definitely wish that that was a little bit, you know, um, more, but the times I have with the Lord are very powerful. I get to listen to streetlights, uh, audio Bible, and that's very, very powerful for me just to audibly hear the word of God. Uh, being in a local church community has been one of those things these last few months since our church plant closed that, um, you know, it's, it's a new, new family for me. So God has kind of sent people my way who have been mentors and friends who have helped fill my cup in different ways. Um, so I think those are a couple ways that 
I found myself being filled up doing actually doing music is just fulfilling to me. Making art is very fulfilling to me. Uh, marking down my victories. That's a big one. You know, uh, the children of Israel will constantly forget what God has done. And uh, even though they knew the stories, even though they had the victories. And so I've made it a point to mark down my victories. Yo, God did this on this day. And um, I'm thankful that he answered this prayer, you know, um, journaling, that type of thing. And marking down your victories allows you to see the bigger picture when things seem like, you know, when it seems like the storm is about to knock the boat over. Yeah, I got to start marking my victories, man. It's That's crucial. good. That's it's crucial, man. That's good. I mean, you know, if, if you look at the Bible, the, the Bible has a whole bunch of victories marked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate you, CW. Uh, I don't know if that's what you prefer being called. Oh, you, you're good. Yeah, Dubs. Um, it's all good with me. Yeah, man. So, uh, you, you've shared a lot here. I mean, just going from the uh, – the way you've been able to get help from ACT and the way you broke that down with your, um, your merch sales and, uh, whoever listens to this and is listening to it for, uh, very personalized advice. You really need to go back and get a pad and a pen and jot a lot of the stuff down. I got about three pages worth of notes that, um, Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've shared a lot, man. You really have. And, uh, and, and, I'll be honest, man. We could probably do a podcast on eat, diving in even more in a lot of these sections. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Like there, there, there's just so much there, and uh, you could probably write a book uh, just with some of this stuff. There's a lot of stuff I noted down to go back to, but we're already been in this an hour. And um, wow, yeah, you get got to shoot me them notes so I can get my books <laughs> <after> together. <laughs> you know what? There's 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 one thing that I left out that I think would be very important for artists too. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead, do it. Um, this is probably. Hold on, I'm sorry, that's my wife that's calling at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, let me let me throw this on airplane mode. Um, yeah, so you can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Okay, cool, cool. Um, you have to uh, as an artist. So a lot of times, and this is probably more for Christian artists, you have you have to begin to distinguish the difference between hard ticket sales and soft ticket sales. Hard ticket sales, uh, well, soft ticket sales are you got invited to open for someone and it costs you nothing but to get there and to do the show. Or maybe you did buy on the ticket, but you didn't set it up. You don't sell the tickets. It's, it's not you specifically that people are definitely coming to see. Um, that's soft tickets. When the church invites you to their already 2,000 plus people event, that is not your big resume point. Then there's hard ticket. And hard ticket sales are, are what people pay to see you. So if five people will come to see you in a, came to see you in a city, that is usually your market value. That is a hard ticket. That's how much you sell in hard tickets in that community. Um, we have to begin to think outside of soft ticket events. They're great, you know, and for me, they're necessary. When you think about cities that you want to test the market, but you don't have the money to test the market, right? You can't afford to rent the venue, get there, buy a hotel, pay the band, all of that. Then it's smart to do soft ticket. It's smart to say, hey, let me partner with this organization or this person where they host it. They might get a cut of whatever we sell, whatever. And, um, 
I'm just I just happen to be a part of that or let me jump on this church, you know, pastor anniversary and do two songs that that's that's wise because that saved you money to do it that way. And then the next time you can do a hard ticket based off the people who met you or bought your CD or followed you or whatever. Uh, But we have to get to the place where the goal is we can go and we can sell tickets in multiple places because churches don't always have the funds to bring artists out. They they don't always have the funds to give you the honorarium you need or you desire. So you have to get to the place where you can stand on your own as a hard ticket artist and the soft ticket events fall in between as one offs or whatever the case may be as something. See it as as the cherry on top versus the the necessity for you to survive. And until you get to that place, um, you're going to always be in limbo. And then also finding creative ways to, um, apart from the hard ticket, soft ticket, you need to find creative ways to get your music making money for you. Like, you know, um, how do you get it synced on the TV shows or in the video games where you're getting paid residuals, maybe a lump sum up front or continuous residuals for that? If you if you get the theme song to Friends, can you imagine owning the, th- the theme song to Friends, being the person who created that? And you get paid, <laughs> whoa, or your stuff get played in stadiums or on soundtracks. Oh, yeah. So, you know, finding those creative avenues, and that's the area I'm really trying to dive into, where if you desire, you don't have to travel or be on the road. You just eating off of what you've already done, and you can do other things. Right, so, yeah. right. Sorry, yeah. I have to those. I need to throw them in there. Uh, now that's uh, it's a really good point. We we do have one. Uh, there's one episode of the Business with the Bordeaux podcast where we uh, uh, Nasdaq Publishing where we talked about publishing. Mm, and, yeah. um, so if you haven't listened to that, make sure y'all go back and check that out because I mean you look at you know artists like Kristen Gray, yeah, who, yeah. who has had uh, several placements and obviously NF and a lot of these artists, um, you know just the placement alone has them eaten. Yep. So that's right. that's right. Yeah, man. Well, like I said, man, I appreciate you being here, CW. Uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at to uh, keep up with what you got going on, and maybe if you want to pitch you a question or something, they can reach out. Yep. Um, I am CW Allen, and my um, handles are at the CW Allen. So just T H E C W A L L E N. Website is also vcwallen.com, and um, I'm on all of them. I'm pretty consistent for the most part. Facebook, Instagram are very consistent. Twitter, uh, a decent amount. So get at me. We can chop. Yeah, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing what comes out of you next. You got a, uh, a, a, a freshly new EP that just dropped. Yes, sir. Um, so, you know, I'm still rocking out to that myself. And uh, if y'all haven't checked that out, that's The Dream Baby Volume 1. And we talked about that on the Independent Artist Spotlight. Again, go check that out if you haven't. I will try to link that interview in the description of this show so you can check that out if you haven't been able to yet. And, uh, and yeah, man, um, hopefully we'll be able to link up again soon in some way, shape, or form podcast. Obviously, that's mostly what I do. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, just looking forward to seeing what comes out of you, man. My man, thanks, Jay. I appreciate what you're doing, bro. All righty, that was the interview with C.W. Allen. 
Uh, I got to say, I appreciate him for being on the show again. Uh, in the honor of this last, uh, this current Thanksgiving holiday that just went by here in 2018, uh, I'm very grateful, very grateful for everybody who was tuning into this podcast, to this episode for um, Mr. C.W. Allen for being on the show. And, uh, and for the patrons, Aaron Simpkins, TrueStrengthApparel.com. Don't forget to head over there. Support my supporters, supporters of the Business with the Bordeaux podcast. And uh, and don't forget to head over to the website, BusinessWithTheBordeaux.com, to check out the blog postings and everything I have available for you there to check out. That, uh, that may be some good information for you. Make sure you do that. And also... Uh, one thing I do want to to try to get going is I'm looking for some uh, Q and A uh, questions for Mr. Kelly Cole. He wants to come back on the show and do an exclusive Q and A episode. If you have any questions for Mr. Kelly Cole, then you can head over to the website businesswithaborder.com and send me an email with that question, or you can maybe go to Twitter or Instagram at Jason Bordeaux one and shoot me your questions because I'm trying to get a collection of them for Mr. Kelly Cole. And I want to make sure we have a good number, uh, in regards to anything, anything, I'm sure he would love to be challenged if you can challenge him because he is a very smart man. So shoot me all your questions over there or for him and, uh, and we'll do those on the show, and, and I'll be more than happy to say your name, just so they can know where these smart questions came from. So, yeah, that's it for the show this week. I do want to thank you so much again for tuning in. And uh, before I do let you go, though, I do want to I do want to send my condolences uh, to the family of DJ Effecto. He has just passed away uh, as of the recording of this podcast, and so uh, please make sure you're keeping his uh, family in your prayers. Uh, the folks over at Humble Beast and anybody who has had a, a close connection with them. I didn't personally know him, but you know that doesn't mean I shouldn't pray for uh, those who were close to him. So uh, I did want to mention that real quick before we uh, signed off of this particular podcast episode. But please do that. Uh, we're a family. We're a kingdom family, and we should be there for each other, uh, whether it's through prayers, uh, financially, uh, support on anything else we can do for each other. But definitely... Uh, make sure you keep his family in prayer. Again, that was DJ Effecto. Uh, I think I said that right. And um, yeah, thank you so much for that. So anyway, though, um, thank you for listening. And always remember, uh, the more you learn, the more you know. And the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.